few weeks ago, I wasn't feeling well. I, I, was, I was sick, and it came in the form of nausea and dizziness. And uh, what had happened was I, I hadn't been, um, I had been just drinking liquids. And so I, uh, just drinking liquids led to nausea and dizziness, and, and then uh, the sickness progressed, and I ended up on a Monday night uh, being really sick. And it was, it was this moment of like on a Monday, like this is when I, I need to teach. This is when I need to be able to, you know, uh, think straight. But if I'm dizzy, I can't even stand up straight. So should, like what should I do? And so everything starts turning. And so I, I go ahead and I, I text two of my buddies. I'm like, who's got the backup sermon? Like who's ready? And so they were both like, I got it. If you need me, I'll be there. And in fact, like one of my buddies, it was so bad that I was like, dude, I need you there in case I pass out while it's happening. Like, that's how dizzy I am. I'm confident that this is possible. And so, and, and, and so he shows up, and he's there, sermon literally in his back pocket, pulls out the piece of paper, and, and there's this, all this is going on. And, and, and so what ends up happening is I finish vertical, and at the very end, if you remember this moment, you might have been there. I was like, I love you guys. I'm so proud of you guys. I just want to give you all a hug. And all, everyone was like, oh, it was so awesome. It was this really tender moment, kind of rare. I don't know why. But, um, and so we're having this moment, and I say, I want to give you a hug, but don't give me a hug because I'm not feeling well. And I meant it. So what ended up happening that night was I went to bed. And I was like, I got to, hopefully sleep will fix it. I don't know if you're like me. You think sleep will fix anything. You're like, sleep will just, it'll work. I promise. And so I go to bed and I'm like, this will fix it. 5 a.m. I wake up. I'm like, I feel good. I think it did it. Like, this is what we all hope for when we're sick. We just hope sleep will fix it. And so I start making my way to the bathroom because that's actually why I woke up at 5 a.m. And so as I, I go to the bathroom, I'm like, I feel good, you know? And I walk to the bathroom, and I'm using the restroom. And I promise this isn't too much information. The information matters. And so I'm standing using the bathroom. And uh, as I'm using the restroom, I start to realize I was a little overconfident because I started to get a little dizzy. And I started to rock. Maybe TMI, I don't know. And so as I'm rocking, the last thought I remember is, Lord, have mercy. Wham! I didn't end up going backwards. I ended up going forwards. And so what, what happens next is what I assume, because I was out. And uh, so my head hit the shelf that's just placed perfectly above my roommate and I's toilet. Uh, so I nail the shelf and I end up on the toilet. And it was kind of like, not just on the toilet, it was kind of like my left arm is in the toilet. And I'm like hugging the toilet like a dude on Dia. I'm just like, whoa, this is not where I want to be. And so uh, inappropriate, maybe, who cares? And so, so all this is going on. And when I wake up, when I wake up, the lights are on and my roommate is like, what happened? I'm like, I think we need to go to the hospital. And so I get up and, and I look in the mirror and, and I'm bleeding. And I'm like, dude, why didn't you tell me I was bleeding? I, you waited till I looked in the mirror to tell me there's blood on my face. And I have this scratch right here and the scratch right here and all this is going on. And, and so we go to the hospital and, and, and what ended up happening was it just at the basic level of life, I was malnourished. 
Like I was lacking in the basics. I, I wasn't processing food the way that our bodies were meant to. And so what I even saw as it was happening and, and looking back, I'm like, man, I should have recognized this was my hands. Like I could feel my hands kind of felt like smaller. I'm like, I don't even know if this is real, but like my hands feel smaller and like I can't move as fast. Like I was more calculated in my movements. Like I wouldn't stand up as quick or move fast. Like all this was going on. It was, it was keeping me from, from being like the way I was meant to be. It was that simple. And so tonight we're going to look at, at this idea in the scripture that has to be, has to do with a spiritual malnourishment. And I think what we're actually going to see is that you and I, you and I weren't meant to be spiritually malnourished. Like we were meant for more. But so many of us were like, yeah, like I grew up in the church. And it's like, wait, I don't know if our lives necessarily look like that. And it's, it's this crazy thing that we're going to look at in Hebrews as we continue our series called Vintage. We're going to look at this, this idea of maturity. And we're going to see that we... We were meant to mature in the Christian life. And, and the title of this could be, honestly, like, trust the process. Like, at Baylor, we should know this. One in 11. How do we get better? We grow. We trust the process. Maturity is like a process. It's like progress. It's this thing that happens over time. That's what growth is. And that's what we were made to do. Not just physically, but also spiritually. And so tonight, we're going we're gonna to see the problem is immaturity. We're going to see the solution is training. And then we're going to look at why does it matter. Again, we're going to be in Hebrews 5, verses 11 through 14. And I want to give uh, just some brief background. We mentioned this last week, but if you weren't with us, this is for you. Uh, Hebrews was a book of the Bible. We don't know the author necessarily. It's disputed. But what we do know is it was written to a group of Christians who had Jewish heritage. They were Jewish. Uh, uh, they practiced the Jewish faith, but they believed that Jesus was the Messiah, that the fulfillment of the Jewish faith. And so uh, they were suffering because of their belief in who Jesus was, because they were like, I believe in Jesus and I'm a Jew. And then their next door neighbor was Jewish and they didn't believe in Jesus. So there's kind of this tension with like everyone around them and their neighbors. And, uh, and so, and then lastly, they had a tendency to turn back because their neighbors were like, you're doing it wrong. And so they were constantly just trying to figure out, you know, what's right, what's wrong. Is Jesus the right person? Was he the right Messiah? And so that brings us to um, Hebrews 5 verse 11. It says this, about this, we have much to say. And what you need to know is just before this, uh, the author was talking about Melchizedek. Melchizedek who? I don't know. But about this, this guy Melchizedek and how Jesus has to do with uh, the priestly order of Melchizedek. So this author's like, I got a lot to say about this guy Melchizedek. And it's hard to explain since you guys are dull of hearing. He's like, I have more to say here, but I can't say it because you, you wouldn't understand it. In verse 12, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk. Sorry, I say milk wrong. I know. You need milk. <laughs> Shut up. 
Not solid food. All right, I'm going to fix it. Not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So we see that, that he wants to tell them something about how Jesus has to do with Melchizedek, but they've grown numb. They've grown sluggish of hearing. And so the author can't explain it. They can't explain this thing to them because they are immature. So the problem that we see right away in this warning passage of Hebrews, there's five warnings, and this is the third one. We're just jumping because we don't have very much time. So we're in the third one. And the warning here is like the warning that there is a problem. And the problem is immaturity. And, and there's symptoms here. So we should rightfully ask, like, how do we know if we're immature? And we can just look at this passage one more time. Just look at this. Are we sometimes dull of hearing God's word? That's what it says at the very beginning. He's like, I want to tell you more about, about scripture and Melchizedek, who's in the Old Testament. But you guys can't even listen to this. You don't care. And then he says, for, for by this time you ought to be teachers. If we're, a question we could ask ourselves, how do I know if I'm immature? It's like, are we teaching others anything? I'm like, whoa. Are you teaching others? Are you relearning the basics the, the same basics. Are you skilled in the word? What does that mean? Like, does the word impact your life? As you take in the word as an input, does it uh, impact the way that you live as an output? That's what it means when it says unskilled in the word of righteousness. Unskilled means like you lack experience with the word. Like you receive it and it doesn't do anything. So the immature are, are like this. And the last thing is, is from verse 14. It's like, the, the immature, they, or this is talking about the mature being able to, to discern. And so the immature can't discern. So if we, we're not sure if we're immature, like just ask yourself the question, like, can I discern things in life? Like, it's just so basic. Like, like do I have discernment in, when I live day to day? And so we see here that like, let's just be honest. If we took this quiz we probably fall short in one of the categories. I'd venture to say that teaching is one of the primary ones. And the author's like, hey, some of you should have been teaching by now. Like, this is what you were made for. You're missing out. You're missing out on, on, on maturity, and it's a good thing. We were made for more. Think about this, like think about the things you're missing out on. You're missing out on receiving God's word and it, and it growing you. You're missing out on, on teaching others about these awesome things that you've been taught, all these different things that you're missing out on discernment in life. Like what a thing to miss out on. Like that, that's what's so paralyzing. We're like, I don't even know what to do. And it's like, yeah, you're, you're meant to know what to do because of your maturity, because you're like, I know, I know right from wrong. It's so simple. And I know sometimes life can be more gray than that, but, but this is saying like you're missing out on discernment if you're immature. And I feel like this is so many of us because we say, hey, I grew up in the church. We wear that like it's a badge of honor. 
when in reality for most of us, it's an indictment. It's like, oh, you grew up in the church? Then you ought to be teaching by now. That's what the author is saying. That's not just what I'm saying. Doo-doo gaga. I once saw a little kid say that to me, and I was like, you are the coolest thing I've ever seen. I just want to hold you. You're so cute. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like, this is amazing. This makes me want to be a parent. And the, but, but here's the deal. It's beautiful when it comes out of a two-year-old's mouth. You're like, yes, little child. Right? But when an eight-year-old says it, you're like, wait a second. It's not funny anymore. Like, we should go to the doctor. Like, sincerely. No, no, I'm serious. Like, it's not funny. Like, if, if that happened to you and you were the parent, you'd be like, we got to go. We have to go. We have to figure out what's wrong. Like, they aren't growing in the way that they were meant to grow. They aren't maturing the way they were meant to mature. They aren't receiving God's word. They aren't, they, aren't, they aren't teaching others as they were meant to teach others. They aren't discerning as they were meant to discern. This is us. And one way I see this is I asked the question last semester. I said, if you died tonight on a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you that you would go to heaven? And a lot of people were fours and they were like, I'm a four. I've been bad. And maybe you would say right now, you're like, I'm a four for sure. You don't know what I've done. And then there was another group of people, and they're like the seven to eight range, maybe even nine if they've been super good, right? We have this other end of the spectrum. It's like a little bit more confident. Like, yeah, I've been good, not perfect, kind of falling short a little bit. You know, I mess up here and there. Still, you know, still do mess up. But So I can't be like, you know, a ten. So we have like the four, we have the seven to nine, we have kind of this range, and part of the reason, or and then we have a 10. I don't want to jump over the 10. We have the 10. And the 10 are not the good people or the bad people. The 10 are simply the people that understand. It has nothing to do with our good or our bad. It has everything to do with what Christ has done for us. I, I have confidence that if I die tonight, I know where I'm going, not because I have confidence in myself and what I have done, but I have confidence in what Christ has done for me. I believe it. Like, I'm like, I know that, honestly, it's undeserved. I shouldn't be a 10, but I am. It's called grace. And the reason why this has to do with immaturity is because I know that we lack maturity because we lack security. I know we lack maturity because we lack security. Most of us are like four to nines when we're all meant to be tens for those that are in Christ Jesus. And we're like, hey, I'm a 10, but it's undeserved. And I'm like, that's the right answer. Honestly, that's it. It's undeserved. But we have to relearn just the basics. Like I'm telling you right now, if you were not a 10, If you know Jesus, you're like, I have a relationship with Jesus. Let me tell you, you are meant to be a 10. But we have a problem. It's immaturity. And and so we don't even fully understand why we're 10s. So we see the problem is our immaturity. Let's look at the simple solution. It's in the scripture. We're going to start in the kind of middle of verse 12 where it says you need milk. 
be focused. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So the immature, what's the solution? Seems to be a solution here in verse 14, trained by constant practice. And it's this idea, this image here is honestly amazing. This like, you're on milk and and you need food. You were meant to be eating food. You were meant to be matured in this way. And so the solution is training. It's getting used to big boy food. It's moving on from milk. And so, but we must grow up in order to get to solid food. And so the question rightfully is, how do we grow up? And the solution here is training. And let's just ask the question, like, like, why do I need to train? Like, that doesn't even make sense. Why do I need to train? Like, Christian, like, this is, this is the way I'm supposed to do things? It's like, the reason why we need to train is, and this is true in every aspect of life, is we can't microwave maturity. You also can't microwave your studies to get a good grade on a test. Like this is like a pretty common like theme in most of life. And, 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 I don't, and so we ask the question like, why do we need to train? It's like, we can't just zap it. Training takes time. Romans 12 too mentions something along these lines. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformation takes time. Training takes time. Growing, maturity, these things take time. And it's not just a time, but, but I'd venture to say these three things. If, if you want to know how to train, I'd venture to say you need to have a time, a place, and a plan. Like, how would you train to get jacked? Like, I don't know anything about it, but if I were to try to get jacked, what would I do? I'd have a time that I was going to go get jacked. I'd have a place I'd go get jacked, CrossFit, right? Or something. I don't know what people do. And I'd have a plan. Time, a place, and a plan. Just think, like, if you want like, when I want to grow in communication, like, we asked our team recently, we were like, what are the things we want to grow in for, as a staff? And so we had all these different things that we're talking about. And I was like, I want to grow in communication. What would I do to grow in communication? I'd spend time doing it regularly. I'd have a place, like, where am I going to go? A place and a plan, like, where am I going to do these things? Where am I going to listen to what other people have to say? Where am I going to read books? When is that going to be worked into my life? You're not just going to coast to maturity. You're not just going to coast to growth. Like that's not the way it works in anything, unless you're just like a freak athlete or something like you're rare breed, but that's not true of what it takes spiritually. That's what I think we're seeing. And honestly, I'm kind of scared to sometimes tell you this, like, Hey, go and train in godliness, go and train in maturity. Go and grow up. That's so like, go do. Because I don't want you to leave here thinking that you can work your way so that God will love you more. 
I don't want you to leave here thinking that you can work your way so you can earn something from God. That's not, that's not what this training is about. And so I just want to be really careful up front. But, but what I can say is there's five warning passages in Hebrews. And all five talk about reading the word. They're all like, here's a warning about life. You're going to drift or you're going to you know, have disbelief or you're going to have, you know, you're immature. And all of them include, here's an action that has to do with God's word. All five. So this is like the most confident I've ever been to be like, let's know the word. Let's get the bread. Come on. Like, this is what's new. This is what's going on. That's exactly what this is saying. Like, this is what we were made for. We were made to mature, not just as humans physically, but also spiritually. That's what we were made for. And here's another warning. That this doesn't just mean information. The goal isn't just information, it's intimacy. So so the evidence as you're training, as you go out of here and you spend time in God's word, as you spend time in prayer, as you spend time around God's people in what you're meant in the way you're meant to be connected, which is the local church, as you are as you leave here and you apply this passage, this training, this time of growth, uh, what's the evidence of this maturity? It's not just what you know but it's who you're becoming. It's not just what you know up here, it's who you're becoming. Here, here's an illustration of this. I, I, I met this guy that changed my life and I've only spent two days with him. His name was Nabil Qureshi. And for whatever reason, God used him in an immeasurably like more way than I could have ever imagined. And here's, here's some things, here's two things that when I spent time with him, I learned about it. I could have read his book, New York Times bestselling author. I could have read his book and learned things about him. But there was other things I learned from being with him. Like, like this guy believed in the power of God. If you were here a few years ago when he spoke and he had stage four stomach cancer and he declared, God can heal me. And he said it in one of those ways where you're like sitting there in the audience and you're like, this guy believes in a God I don't believe in. Like he believes in a bigger God than what I believe in. And I was sitting there, I worked for Vertical and I had that thought. I was like, yo, this bunch of Baptists. <laughs> this guy believes in a big God. It's crazy. And it, it, the impression that left on me, I was like, man, I want to know that God. That's who I want to know. That's the God I know. That, that's the God I think I'm meant to know. That's the God of the Bible that we read about. And then there was this other thing where when I was with him, everywhere we went, people were like, you know, you were so encouraging. You know, God used me, used you to, to you know, uh, uh, teach me this and all these different things. And everywhere Nabil went, he was like, praise God that God did that. Praise God that this happened. Praise God that, that God would work in that way. And I was like, dude, you say praise God a lot. And he was like, praise God, right? Like it was just this crazy thing where everything that he said and did was like, man, let's just give that to the Lord. I'm like, what do you mean? Can't you just receive a compliment? Like just say thank you, right? It was just this bizarre thing. It was so different. And when he 
left, I was like, man, I want to be like that. I wish I could just do that. I wish I could give away any sort of affirmation or affection and just be like, yeah, praise God, because that's not me. That wasn't just knowing about Nabil. That was an intimacy that came from being in, uh, an impression from being with him. And that was just a human. Can you imagine what it might be like to spend time with the creator of the universe, with his words, how that's meant to impress upon him, us, how that's meant to change us? Like how much greater is that? Like, you've been around people where you're like, I want to be more like them. They're so encouraging. They're just sweet to be around. Usually girls, you're like, oh, my gosh, you're so sweet. And I just want to take you with me everywhere I go. Like, so you tell me, encourage me. Like, this is amazing. Like, I want to be more encouraging to other people, right? Like, we know those people that we want to be more like when we're with them. The good that, that is God-given within them. Like, that's exactly what this is about. It's not just information. It's this intimacy that comes through relationship with Jesus. That's what training's about. It's about this relationship. It's building and growing the intimacy. So we saw the problem, which is immaturity. We saw the solution, which is training. And so I want us to ask the question really briefly, why does it matter? And this stuff just fires me up. I'm just stoked about this right here. The beginning of verse 11, it says, about this we have much to say. And I told you this is about this high priestly order of Melchizedek. And in fact, I had a friend of mine who I really look up to who told me, when you're going through the book of Hebrews, just skip over the Melchizedek stuff. Uh, maybe I should have listened to him, but who knows? Who is Melchizedek? Hebrews 7, if you'll turn in your Bibles if you brought it. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. And to him Abraham apportioned a tenth part of everything. He is first, by translation of his name, a king of righteousness. And then he is also king of Salem, that is a king of peace. He is without father or mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the son of God, he continues as a high priest forever. Hebrews 7, 1 through 3. Does that mean anything to you and me? Maybe we're like, kind of like, the people that the author was writing to. He's like, I have a lot more to tell you about Melchizedek, but you have no earthly idea what to do with this guy Melchizedek, right? So I read that to you. I want us to see here what's really possibly going on. Melchizedek was this guy who, who just showed up out of nowhere in Genesis 14, two verses about him. There are two verses. He comes out of nowhere. We don't know when he was born. We don't know when he died. Again, as the scripture just said, there's no genealogy. There's nothing. But what we do know of him is that he was somehow a priest. He was the king of righteousness and the king of peace. And, 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 and what's crazy about this that we might not understand on first read is that people that were priests came from the line of the Levites, the line of Aaron. You had to be a Levite to be a priest. 
Melchizedek wasn't. And we're like, why does that matter? When it has to do with Jesus, Jesus was in the line of David. So how could he be a priest to us? This is so important. The author to the Hebrews was saying, we must know this guy Melchizedek because Jesus's blood sacrifice on our behalf is only valid because of this dude Melchizedek. Like the forgiveness of sins. The reason why Jesus can be our high priest is because of this guy Melchizedek. Like Jesus's Davidic line. But the reason why he can be a priest as well is because God can use even men like Melchizedek, somebody that is a king of righteousness and a king of peace. And that's how Jesus can still be a priest and still be a king. That's how he can forgive our sins and still be the author and authority of our lives. That that is so deep and so mind-blowing. But we're like, Levites? What? Who cares about Levites? Two, Two verses in Genesis 14. You're kidding. And it's that important? That's what the author's trying to say. He's like, this is huge. The the Jews are going to tell you that Jesus is invalid. His sacrifice is not valid. Because they live next door to the people. And they're like, hey, you know, Jesus didn't count. He wasn't even a priest. How can his sacrifice be worthy? And so the author is telling the Hebrews, he's like, this is so important and there's more of this. There's so much depth to the person of who Jesus is, but I can't tell you it because y'all are stuck on the milk. (laughs) We're stuck on the milk. I don't care. And there's just so much more with maturity that, that we're made for. He's like, you're meant to be teaching people. You're meant to be living this stuff out. You're meant to be discerning things. That's what maturity and training is all about. It's better understanding who Jesus is and how much he loves us and how he's so stinking valid. Like he is everything we want him to be and more. And it's insane. And I think that's what the writer's trying to say. He's like, when it comes to this Melchizedek, He resembles the son of God who continues as a priest forever. He's forever our perfect sacrifice. And this is so important for so many reasons. Why does it matter? Because this is is the way we impact the people around us. Our progress can be evidence to others of who God is. That's what maturity is. It's evidence. It's evangelism. They're like, whoa, you've changed. You were a jerk. And now you're like not that bad, right? People can see that. You've been spinning. Who have you been hanging out with? But so many of us were like, I don't want this like Hebrew stuff. Like I want, I want dating advice, right? We're like, I just want, tell me something. Who do I date? You know why this is important? author of Hebrews is saying, you want discernment, then mature. You want to know who to date? Just mature in Christ, and then you'll know exactly who to date. It'll be so clear. You want to know where to draw boundaries in life relationally? Just just know Christ. Grow, mature. That's what's going to give you discernment. That's the best dating advice ever. 
all these different things. Like this is so applicable to you and I's lives. And, and I think so many of us are just missing out. We don't even realize we're like, yeah, we're just settling for the milk. Golly. This is why I'm back. Like, this is why I'm here. Like, I was you. And I just wish somebody had just taken me and shaken me. It's like, grow up, Dale. And it's worth it. Like following him is worth it. Growing up in him is exactly what this is all about. And it's not, again, so that God will love you more, Dale. Get that out of your head. Get that workspace salvation out of here. That's a basic, that it's not based on works. But you can grow. You can go back to the basics, and then you can build on top of that. And it's called maturity. And that's what you and I were made for so much greater than we can imagine. So in summary, the problem is immaturity. The solution is training, and it matters for so many stinking reasons. So let's trust the process, and let's all commit to maturing, not so God will love us more, but so we can rightfully and better know more of how God loves us. And I'll close with this. I've had a recent obsession with missionaries. I'll just, I'll brag on one in particular. There's a guy who came back from overseas. His name is Charlie Ramsey. Uh, He's the director of the Baptist Student Ministries on this campus. He's absolutely amazing. I got the pleasure of getting to go with him overseas Um, this past summer. We were in Southeast Asia together. And this dude is a crazy man in the best way possible. We would wake up in the morning and he would be like singing. He'd be like, in Christ alone, my hope is found. He's brushing his teeth. And I'm like, dude, you're crazy, man. And everywhere we go, he's like encouraging people. He's challenging people. He's using God's word. He like knows the entire Bible. He knows like 12 languages. He can preach in like seven of them. All these different things. Like he's teaching everyone about Jesus that he runs into. And so, and then when it comes to like prayer and fasting, he wouldn't want to tell you that he fasts, but like he fasts. I'm like, dude, I've like never given up food a day in my life. Like, what are you crazy? Like, I wouldn't even have considered this. And so all these different things, like Charlie is this man. And the more I spend time with him, the more I see, I'm like, whoa, this is crazy. But, but honestly, part of me just always puts him in this category. I'm just like, you know what? That's for like missionaries. That's kind of for like crazy Christians or maybe a select few ministry leaders. Like that kind of life is just like, we're just gonna put you people over there and be like, that's so cool. That's so awesome. They are awesome. Y'all, y'all just keep it up. We're gonna be over here, you know? We're not gonna get into that stuff, right? And I think as I realize, like the way that I look at Charlie sometimes, I'm like, yeah, that's for you, dude. The, the more I realize, I kind of, that's the way I used to look at the dude that led vertical when I was here. I was like, yeah, that guy's talking about like training and maturity and knowing the Bible and fasting and, and praying for people and doing all these things. But that's just kind of for that guy to do. Like that's just for them. And I actually, I actually think this idea, I've been thinking about it long enough that I, it's made me want to quit my job. Because I'm like, I don't want you to think that, that 
you have to be me or Charlie to, to do these things. Like, this is what maturity looks like. We have examples and people we can look up to, but it's for all of us. There's so much more. But I think there's this growing chasm between like normal Christians where we're like, here are the normal people. If you want to live safe, come over here and we'll just keep clapping at the people over here. When in reality, like we put these missionaries and the the, uh, ministry people over here and this chasm is growing. And what I think we've done is we've, we've replaced ministry leaders and missionaries and, and we've put them over here and we don't even realize it. Like that's actual Christianity. Like that's what it is to tell everyone about Jesus, to not care what people think about you, to wake up and sing songs, to know the Bible, to tell it to others, to encourage others with it. He prays with people on campus, like everywhere he goes. I'm like, dude, you pray everywhere. I'm like, maybe that's the way we were meant to live. And the reason why I want to quit is because I want to, I want to show you. I want to go with you to the office. I want to go into the business world and be with you and be like, we're going to tell everyone until we get fired. It's going to be amazing. We're going to love everyone. They can't even fire us because we're the most joyful people and we're the only one bringing life to this office space. We're the only teacher that isn't gossiping about the teachers down the hall. We're the only people that are doing what we're called and made to do because we've matured and we're like boys with Jesus and he's made an impression on us and he's changed us so we can be who we were made to be let's pray Lord we pray that in this time you would show us ways that we can grow. Would you give us through the power of your spirit encouragement of, of the time, the place, and the plan, where we need to turn, who we need to go to, who we need to be accountable to as we, as we join people even in doing this. Lord, would you just help us to grow up? We can't grow apart from your grace. That's something we do know. But we ask that you would help us to mature the way we were meant to mature. May we not be malnourished. May, may we rightly represent you, not in perfection, but by progress. Maturing, not yet mature, but maturing in the process of it. Lord, would you help us? We ask this all in your son Jesus' name. Amen.